It is our privilege to bring to you the following message, supported by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our normal Sunday morning service times. Pastor Rick Foster is serving as our interim senior pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter 2018. This morning we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ as Pastor Rick looks at the resurrection in a sermon he's entitled, Why the Resurrection Changes Everything. Let's join Pastor Rick now in his sermon. Here's Rick. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're walking along the edge of a swimming pool. And as you walk along the edge and you come to the deep end, you have a moment of unfortunate um, distraction and you slip fully clothed into the water. Now, because of your shoes and now your soaked clothing, you are quickly pulled towards the bottom. So I have a question. Why do you thrash and flail to get back to the surface? And isn't the reason you do that the same reason why when our bodies give evidence of declining health, say, for example, you've got a really high fever for a number of days or uncontrolled vomiting or chills or some unexplained pain, isn't that why then we go to a doctor and listen carefully to his diagnosis and then faithfully take any medicines that he prescribed? And isn't it the same reason why when our bodies are attacked by a virus, they automatically start generating white blood cells in order to fight off the infection. See, whether it's a conscious act or not, those examples kind of make it pretty uh, obvious that we're fighting for something. Aren't we hardwired to want life? Our natural reaction on a a physical level, I believe, reveals something deep inside of us of a yearning that's at a whole nother level below that. And that yearning for life that we're hardwired for, it bubbles to the surface in a lot of different ways in which we perceive and look out at life. For example, even though our standard of living here in America is in the top 4% of the whole world, Why is it that so many of us have this nagging lack of satisfaction? I've quoted him before, but actor Jim Carrey once made the comment. He said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Or it bubbles up in different ways, too. Like, it's unsettling, isn't it, that nothing on earth has permanence? I mean, everything deteriorates, everything breaks down, everything wears out, or eventually it leaves. And so we're constantly, as a result of that, having to make painful adjustments because we can't count on anything remaining, remaining around for very long. It bubbles up in other areas. Like, for example, just look at the own, the bent of our hearts. And we recognize, if we're really honest with ourselves, that there's this battle going on inside, and we've got this stubborn self-centeredness that at times almost acts like an addiction. Or who isn't troubled by when you start looking at what others are capable of doing? Um, The killing of innocent children, the killing of students, the schools, 
the extreme moral depravity as seen in human trafficking, the, the insatiable, insatiable financial greed that just damages so many other people. Or it bubbles up in looking at the extreme weather conditions, natural disasters that kill and destroy so much. Or on top of that, the, the distressing prospect of death. I mean, we, our fear of it and our loathing of it is so strong. We don't want to face it. We don't even want to talk about it. Do you remember years ago, the classic movie City Slickers? Billy Crystal played the lead role of Mitch, a wannabe cowboy. And in the middle of that movie, he makes the following statement. He says, have you ever reached a point in your life where you say to yourself, this is the best I'm ever going to look. This is the best I'm ever going to feel. This is the best I'm ever going to do, and it ain't that great. <laughs> Again, what does all that say about us? We are hardwired to want life. And we're fighting desperately to get back to, to, the, to the surface because we want something more, we want something else. And you're looking at me and saying, Rick, I came in here, we're in a really good mood on this Easter morning, and now I'm not sure where you're going with all this. <laughs> Folks, I've got good news. i got really good news. But good news is only good news when it's put in stark reality, or put into stark contrast to reality. See, Easter is about something called resurrection. Dead things can come back to life. And some of you need to understand that the original documents of Christianity claim that there was this man, Jesus, who by signs and miracles demonstrated himself to be literally God's son. But in his early 30s, he was arrested. He was put on trial. He was found guilty. He was then, cru- he was then sentenced to be crucified. And literally, tor- that meant he was tortured all the way to death. And then his dead body was put in a grave. But then three days later, God raised him back life. Resurrection. And Easter proclaims that powerful message even today, and it's really, really good news because it's a game changer. In other words, resurrection is a reality that the dead, that that which is dead can come back to life. So if that's true, if that's true, then resurrection speaks directly to our yearning for life. If resurrection is possible, then it can have a major impact on my frustrations, on my worries, on, on, on my fears, on all of my disappointments. It speaks to all those yearnings that we have deep inside of us that we really want something more, we really want something else. So this morning, let's take a few moments and unpack all this. Let's, let's unpack the key role that resurrection plays in Christianity. Because you know what? Even the de- our detractors and those that are supporters of Christianity both agree that the resurrection is the linchpin. In other words, it is the critical point of validation. Everything that Jesus Christ said and everything that Jesus Christ did is authenticated and confirmed by resurrection. Or if it did not happen, then the whole thing is hogwash. And you know what? We're in our time even to be here this morning. That's how important it is. So a few moments ago, 
Ken read to us, the amazing declaration of, that Paul makes about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 12 down to verse 22. And he bluntly explained that all the claims of Christianity stand or fall based on whether a resurrection occurred. Now, let me give it to you in a nutshell. Here is how his general thinking flows. In all of those verses that were read, he's basically saying, first, if there's a resurrection, then a supernatural event occurred. Second, if a supernatural event occurred, then we live in an open, not a closed universe. And third, if we live in an open universe, then there is a personally engaged God who wants to give us life. That's why Easter is a celebration of the fact that the resurrection changes everything. Now let me assure you though, to think about this, to talk about it, and to consider it, this is not dusty theology or, or mental gymnastics for religious people. No, this has a very practical, personal side to it that literally changes things for us. How? Well, let me give you two ways this morning to think about. First, if resurrection is possible, then it definitely changes the finish line. What did Paul tell us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20? He said, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, ask the question, on what basis can, can, can he make that fantastic claim? How can Paul make that? Well, he got it from Jesus. He get it from Jesus. Well, listen to what Jesus told a friend of his who had just buried her brother. And he makes this statement. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he, and then he looked at her, to this woman, and said, do you believe this? And by the way, if you know the story, or maybe if you don't know the story, just a few minutes later, Jesus raises her brother back from the dead, even though he had been in the grave for four days. Everybody was concerned about, don't even open the gravestone, don't even pull it back, this is going to stink. Yet he brings him back from the dead. Okay, how, how does that change our finish line? It changes it because Jesus promises a personal experience of resurrection for us. Jesus is boldly claiming that a person can personally experience resurrection and have life even if they die. And the key to that possibility is wrapped up in a word that Jesus repeats three times. It's the word believe. In other words, every person, every person has got to make a choice. They've got to make a choice to exercise faith on the basis of Jesus' claims. Now understand, belief or faith is not wishful thinking. Belief or faith is not a flimsy, groundless hope. Rather, it is a confidence. It is an assurance that something is trustworthy. Okay, how do I then know if what Jesus claimed is trustworthy? Well, here's why the resurrection is so important. We are promised that what God did for Jesus, he will do for us. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead and He will raise us also. See, the, the resurrection changes our finish line. No longer is death the end, of, the end of life. In raising Jesus from the dead, there is the possibility that we can be released from, from living with the pressure and the torment of dying. How? Well, God did it for Jesus. He is able and can do it for us. Which means then that this life is not all of God. Uh, yeah, will, will this body go through the physical experience of dying? Yes, it will. But the finish line is not some plot in a cemetery somewhere, nor is it an urn holding dust. Dying now simply becomes a doorway because that which dies will be brought back to life. See, when the finish line is changed, And that releases me to go out and live life with a freedom and and a joy because I'm no longer trying to hang on and hoard every, every, every minute of what I've got left. I can live with the understanding that the best is yet to come because I believe, I believe what Jesus said. He is the resurrection and the life. Okay, now for most of you here this morning, that is not new information. Maybe it's a good reminder, but it's not new information. But that's not the whole story. And you deserve to hear the whole story. Because when the Bible declares that the resurrection changes everything, there's more than just a change to our finish line. It also dramatically alters our starting line. God intends for us to have life. But well-meaning people, even in churches, have taught an error. And that error is that we're often told and that the offer on the table is, is heaven after we die. And, and that is true, but that unfortunately is not the whole picture. It's not, the whole, it's not everything that Jesus promised. The life that Jesus offers is not just for what is yet to come it's also for our now. In other words, eternal life begins now, not later. Listen to how the resurrection changes the starting line. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And that's why anytime we hear the term eternal connected to the term life, we've got to be careful not to interpret that as life that's going to happen at some future date. Rather, it's a new life that's being offered that can start right now instead. In fact, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 describes it even more specifically. Listen to it. And if the spirit of him raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Do you see what's being offered here? Everyone living has got a mortal body, but based on the resurrection of Jesus, then these mortal bodies of ours can have a new type of life. 
If you've been around Rancho Baptist for a number of months, you know how I like to describe it. I like to describe it as the difference between life with a lowercase l and life with a, with a capital L. Because all of us, everybody living has got life with a just a lowercase l. Uh, our hearts are beating. Or I should, that's a better way. Our lungs are pushing air in and out. The synapses in our brains are firing off thousands of times a second. But it's more than that. It's, it's the reality that all of us who are living are, are working through getting our education. We're, we're working through raising our kids. We're trying to keep our budget balanced every single month. We're looking for the best, the best vegetables in the grocery store. We're getting our hair cut. We're getting our nails done. Everybody's got life with a lowercase l. But Jesus is offering us much, much more. He's offering us something called life with a capital L. It's the kind of life that we were originally intended to have, but got warped and damaged by the original couple, Adam and Eve, by their choices. Paul talks about it here in 1 Corinthians 15 that Ken read. Verse 21, verse 22, Paul writes, For as by a man, Adam, came death. By a man, Jesus, has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. See, we need to keep in mind that eternal life, this life of the capital L, changes our life both in its quantity, but also in its quality. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 puts it really well. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. So everybody has got the opportunity for a fresh start, a new start. A life going forward that is no longer determined by, determined by past mistakes. And it's fascinating and wonderful to hear how the New Testament authors describe this life with a capital L. They describe it as being able to erase our guilt and our shame by something called divine forgiveness. Life with a capital L is able to replace our loneliness with a deep sense of belonging. Life with a capital is able to instill within us a sense of purpose and a sense of direction in our lives. Life with a capital L allows us to experience God as a loving Heavenly Father who is extravagant in His grace, His protection, and His provision for us. And those are just a few things. <laughs> but you see, that's what Jesus is talking about in John 10.10 10, when He says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and may have it abundantly. And again, for those of you who have been around Rancho Baptist Church for a number of months, you know how I keep referring to abundance has two central meanings. The first meaning is that it is excessive, meaning abundant in the idea of enough, more than enough, overflowing, saturated. But the second idea of abundance is a concept of remarkable. It, that carries the idea of being extraordinary, awesome, um, beyond belief, <laughs> So the kind of life, this life of the capital L, that Jesus is offering us to experience right now is so good that it is beyond anything that we could even think of asking for or could even imagine we might be able to enjoy. What 
Jesus gives will excessively and remarkably satisfy our deep desire for life on every level. I like the way Russell Moore puts it. For too long, churches have invited people to invite Jesus into your life. Jesus doesn't want to be in your life. Your life's a wreck. Jesus calls us into his life. And his life isn't boring or purposeless or static. Rather, it's wild and exhilarating and unpredictable. That's life with a capital L. Back in 1871, the great Chicago fire destroyed much of that bustling city. And even though it first started on one side of the Chicago River, uh, it jumped the water, not only because of high winds, but what most people don't know is it jumped the river because the river had become combustible. See, in those days, the Chicago River was this shallow, sluggish sewer for the entire city. In fact, the Union stockyards that used to be near downtown dumped all their animal waste into that river. That river then flowed out into Lake Michigan. If you've ever stood on the shore of Chicago, uh, there in Chicago and looked out into Lake Michigan, you can see that out there uh, offshore are the water intakes for the water system of Chicago. And they were then, they were there back then too. What that meant is that waterborne diseases broke out all over the place. In fact, through the 1890s, over 10,000 people died of cholera and typhoid. Well, eventually the city engineers had enough of all that. (laughs) So what they did is, first of all, they dug a 28-mile canal, moving more rock and dirt than even the Panama was moved in the Panama Canal. They put in locks, they put in gates in place, and finally, January the 2nd, 1900, a sluice gate was opened at Lake Michigan, and the entire Chicago River began flowing in the opposite direction into the Des Plaines River, into the Illinois River, and finally into the Mississippi River. The huge flow of fresh water transformed the Chicago River. So instead of being shallow and sluggish and disease-ridden waterway that made people sick, that river now brought to the city life. And that's why it's so important that there is literally and historically a resurrection, an empty tomb. It demonstrates that what Jesus said is trustworthy and that what he is capable of is astonishing because he reverses the flow in the human soul. So instead of us having to live with a shallow, sluggish, diseased kind of of life, Jesus, by the power of the resurrection, has opened the sluice gate so that new living water can flow into our lives. Now the resurrection, it changes everything. It's definitely changed the finish line, and it can dramatically change the starting line. And that is the something more and the something else that we are all yearning for. Let's pray.
Father, there are so many here this morning that if we would pass the mic around, would probably be very willing to say, I want something more, I want something else. And that yearning at some level probably goes to the finish line or the starting line. And this morning is a great time to talk to you about that. Right here, right now. Each one of us. With whatever words you want to use. But simply asking for this life that Jesus offers. A trustworthy promise because of the resurrection. This is a time, this is a moment right here for any one of us to quietly just say, Jesus, I want to take what you offer. This life that will change my finish line, this life that will change my starting line, this life that is no longer directed and determined by my past mistakes but by divine forgiveness and love. Father, this is why Easter is such a great morning to celebrate. (laughs) To celebrate what you've done in raising your son from the dead and the powerful confidence and assurance that gives us who choose to believe that we will be given that also, not just later, but starting today. So, Father, hear the, the prayers of your people. Those who maybe for the first time this morning are crying out to you, saying, I want something else, I want something more. That which I've tried to lean on and use is pathetic and it's not satisfying my soul. I turn from those things. I want you, Jesus. I want your life. Father, hear the prayers of your people who cry out to you like that, crying out not in vain wishfulness that somebody somewhere might hear, but praying in the powerful, life-giving name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's our prayer, Father, and that's who we pray to this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. If you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www. Dot Rancho Baptist Church dot org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.